For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Line is muted. Only the host can unmute your line. Raise your hand using star 2 so the host knows when you want to speak. Okay, we're now on Facebook Live and we'll be starting up in about six minutes. And is that Mark Kennedy tonight will conclude his study on tithing. Is it mandatory in the New Testament church? And which on the, when I was putting talk shoe on, I put it in the wrong form. I don't know if you saw that or not, but anyway, it was easily correctable. <laughs> so anyway, um, welcome everybody on Facebook. Thank you, Ricky Alexander, for joining us tonight. We're going to be doing the last in a series uh, by Mark Kennedy entitled, Is Tithing Mandatory in the New Testament Church? And I um, want to welcome aboard Lisa Saluba Balmagrace. Glad to have you aboard tonight. And this will be edifying. You know, the reason that Brother Mark Kennedy feels so strongly on this is he, uh, early in another part of his life, was, you know, subjected to a lot of, um, you know, churches trying to coerce money out of him and stuff. And, you know, it's just not good. We attended a, a church one time, and they didn't like the amount of money we were giving them, so the deacon approached my, went to my wife. <laughs> I wanted to know why we weren't given more money. Really bad. Thanks, uh, Carrie Tripp, for joining us as well. Let's see if Mark Kennedy's uh, come on board yet. Uh, he'll probably be here about 6 o'clock. Um, hopefully you all can hear me okay. Um, can you give me a sign, Toronto, uh, John from Toronto? Um, I'm going to open up the chat room for you for a second. Um, can you tell me how the sound is coming through? Voice fair. Okay. Well, let me see if I can turn this up a little bit. Um, I've got it to the max. Is that any better at all? I moved the mic over closer to me. Well, anyway, that's about as good as it's going to get, I think. Loud and fair. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, I guess it's, 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 it's good that it's loud. It'd be better if it was loud and good rather than, anyway, you're smiling. So well, that's good. Well, I'm looking for... Uh, Looking for Brother Mark to join us here, hopefully. Today's been a very interesting day, I must say. Um, there's a lot of controversy in our society over the earth and its cosmology, and some people think that it is not a worthy subject matter. And they say that anyone who discusses um, biblical cosmology is getting off track on the non-salvation activities. Uh, welcome aboard, Lee Rogers. I don't agree with that. Now, if someone, if 
if all they ever want to talk about is cosmology, then I, I would agree with that. <laughs> but you can't separate out creation from redemption. And the moment you start taking a false cosmology, you end up with a false god, a false creator, uh, evolutionary theory, um, humanistic psychology, and on and on it goes. So it is directly connected to, cosmology is directly connected to our redemption. Adam was was um, the one who partook of the tree in the Garden of Eden, and all men plunged into sin and death. And that's called original sin. I believe in the six-day literal creation account. The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. And I don't think that... <laughs> I think that yet evening and morning accounts for 24-hour period. Hello, Pedro Calabundico. But there are a lot of people out there they get all bent out of shape if you bring this subject up. You know why? Because they're so immersed, okay, in the false educational system. That's why. And it would jeopardize, okay, it would jeopardize their careers if they stood up for biblical science, wouldn't it? They would be ostracized by their peers, just like you and I will be ostracized. Good, good evening, Brock, Morgan. Thanks for joining us. We would be ostracized by our peers, okay? I used to be a social worker for the state of Missouri. And I was fired, terminated, uh, 21 years ago for standing up against the homosexual agenda. I refuse to place children with homosexuals and license homosexuals as foster parents. And so I was fired, and my career went down the tubes. But God intervened for me. I like Paul. Remember what Paul did when they were going to beat him? He said, look, I'm a Roman citizen. <laughs> okay. Good evening, Janine Engel. Welcome aboard. So... I fired, I filed a, a federal lawsuit against the state of Missouri, and God won the case in court. Now, if that were today, <laughs> they'd probably laugh me out on my ear, wouldn't they? But God can do anything he chooses to do. Now, let's see. Um, I still don't see, brother, um, six o'clock, and if... Um, some reason um, Brother Mark is unable to join. Okay, Brother Mark, are you with us? No, not yet. We have guests too. Uh, and we have Toronto. And we have a number of guests on Facebook Live. The last program, Mark Kennedy was covering the fact that we are no, un, no longer under the Levitical law. All of tithing was in the Old Testament. Now, there are people that say, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And I even saw uh, a posting on Facebook some minister literally threatening the members of church, if you're not tithing 10%, you might as well just give up your career. Can you believe that? You know, it's just a matter of trying to bring more money in. Have you ever noticed these mega ministers, these mega churches, the ministers always have the nicest houses and drive the nicest cars and have their 401ks and and what happens to the rest of their flock doesn't matter, does it? 
There's something wrong with that picture. That's right. Reminds me of. Yeah, are you there, uh, Mark? Yes, right oh. here. Well, good, good. Well, I'm glad you just joined us, so that's great timing. Uh, I've been kind of uh, giving people a summation of what brought about this discussion on tithing. So, Brother Mark is with us, and I'm going to turn it over to him, and he's going to do the last section. And, Mark, if you need any help reading scripture or anything, I can pull up my King James Version software on online and, and help you out if you need it. So just let me know, okay? Okay, sure All thing. Right. Okay, Mark, right. I'm going to go ahead. All right. Hello, Brother Larry, and welcome to our listening audience for this, our last, our third and last part on the modern situation of tithing. So we'll get started here as soon as I finagle my stuff into action here. Okay. While you're you're finagling, I want to let you know, Rick Alexander, Lisa Saluba, Carrie Tripp, Lee Rogers, Pedro Colobundico, Brock Morgan, Janine Engel, uh, have joined us, and uh, they eagerly await your finagle. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everyone. All right. This is the third part of the lesson I uh, started two weeks ago on Wednesday the 5th with the first part, and then we did the second part on the 12th, and now today, exactly two weeks later, we're going to finish So, the tithing deception, part three. Is tithing biblical? Did the Old Testament prophets and Jesus in the New Testament endorse it? There are many seemingly sound Christian ministers in organized religion today who strongly support it and vehemently denounce anyone who dares to disagree with them on this or other topics of doctrinal disagreement. Are they right biblically, or does Scripture refute their alleged claims of biblical expertise? So in this third and concluding part of our study, we'll examine the last of the readings of the Old Testament Scripture and related New Testament Scripture that shows that tithing was a part of the Old Covenant and was connected to the Levitical priesthood and therefore is not relevant to Christian theory and practice today. And then, Lord willing, if there's time permitting, I will look at uh, the Matthew Henry commentary of uh, Malachi chapter 3 and that verse where it says, bring all the tithes into my storehouse, and that will show also that the Old Testament, Old Covenant practice of tithing tithing was for the Levitical priesthood since they had no inheritance in the Lord. And God gave them the tithe for their sustenance. Okay. All right. Now, let me get back to where we left off last week. Okay. All right. So, I, we concluded last week with looking at 2 Corinthians 9, 10 to 12 in the King James Version. So I'll just start a little overlap and look at that again and then move forward into our new and last session. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 to 12 in the King James only. Verse 10. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11 of 2 Corinthians 9, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Verse 11, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. Verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplieth 
The want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. So ask yourself, why do these pastors refuse to give you the full context of 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 9? These were one-time situations that happened on an as-needed basis. The saints in Jerusalem need help. Can we step up to the plate and help them? So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of obligation or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So these pastors are taking this and saying, God loves a cheerful giver. We need to give to the work of the Lord. And then they use this to substantiate it. These two examples, 1 Corinthians 16 and 2 Corinthians 9, have nothing to do with paying salaries, paying rent for a big building, nothing like that at all. It has everything to do with supplying the needs of a group of people who have nothing. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10 to 12. Paraphrase. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown. Increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, of the saints, plural. So this was not a collection for Paul, as I said before in the last episode. He wasn't a pastor, by the way, but an apostle. He was not saying, hey, guys, we need to give to the church. They were already giving to the church, the biblical definition of the church, which is a group of people who need help. This was a specific situation. It was specific and on an as-needed basis. It was not a weekly event. Paul said on the first day of the week to set something aside for the express purpose of our coming, and then we will gather together what you have and send people to deliver it. Paul was not going back and forth to Corinth every week or even every month. He only did this as it was needed. So again, ask your pastor why they are not giving you the complete historical analysis on this and see what happens. They will probably start getting mad scrounge around in scripture here and there in a vain effort to make an unbiblical doctrine on this. Okay, so now we're going to move into our uh, last uh, comment. Comment. You know probably what the prob- you know probably what the pastor will do. He'll probably yeah. say you're you're being schismatic. <laughs> that's one of the favorite. That's one of the the favorite slogans. These these uh, hirelings use as you're being schismatic. If anyone questions what Lord Papa has to say, okay, Papa, you know, a lot of these pastors are nothing more than little popes. That's what they are. And so if if you don't go along with everything they say, then you're being schismatic. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. I I had to interject. Go ahead, brother. Right. That was, That was very well said, by the way. Okay. All right. So now we're going to finish and move into the beginning of our last, of our third and last session here. Okay. So the way that these New Testament saints took care of each other was a magnificent display of the glory of the Lord to the unbelieving world of that time and place. We should emulate their example. Okay, so now we're going to continue in 2 Corinthians 9 with verse 13 to 15 in the King James Version. Okay, so verse 13, wells, by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. Verse 14, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. To paraphrase what we just read, the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but is also abounding through many 
thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayers, prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And now at this time, I will open the floor to comments. Okay, well, I will say that we have gotten several comments on Facebook. Um, and they, um, let's see, we've got Emmanuel Roberts and let me see who else here. Shirsh Babu Patharai and Lisa uh-huh. Saluba Balmadras. All three of those um, are in total agreement with your teaching, brother. So it's oh. always nice to it's always nice to dwell in unity, is it not? <laughs> so. Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay, let's see. Where did I leave off? Yes. Okay. All right, we're going to continue in our next reading, which will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3, 4, and 5 in the King James. Okay, verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And verse 5, and this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Okay, who? What saints is Paul talking about here? The ones in Jerusalem. And just as an aside, Paul is also referring to the Macedonian Christians as the one who had an excellent spirit of giving and generosity. And I will open up the floor for comments again. Okay, well, I think that uh, I have a comment on that, and that is that um, we often think of God's unspeakable gift, and we find that in verse 15 of Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 9, where it says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Um, mm-hmm. And I often find that preachers spend more time on what, what their members' gifts should be rather than focusing on God's gift, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Because, look, if we focus on the unconditional gift, the unconditional love of Christ, um, then what we'll find is the Holy Spirit will will work in our hearts to where we will want to give to those that are in need. And we won't have to be compelled or or coerced into anything. So that's my comment. (laughs) Amen. Amen, brother. Okay, we're going to move forward into our next reading. We're going to be continuing in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to jump down to verse 10 and 11. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 10. And herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Verse 11, now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. So notice here that Paul writes to them a year before he actually makes it over there. Hey, guys, remember that project we were talking about? Well, we need to make sure that it happens. And I'll open the floor for comments again. Yeah, I think that Paul is is very uh, clear. And we mentioned this last time, but Paul 
uh, he did not himself want to be a burden on the churches. And so he went out and worked with his own hands as a tent maker. And he also yep. talked about how that different churches uh, were supportive of other churches. And yes. so it wasn't just, wasn't just you know, I, I mentioned last time um, I've been in churches in the past when I was younger and, and kind of not understanding these things where they would they would pass the plate two or three times in one service. They'd have this oh. project and another project and another project. And after a while, you kind of got to thinking, is this a worship service or is this a, uh, uh, you know, win the lottery for the church service? <laughs> oh, I mean, I don't know. It just It just rubbed me the wrong way, you know? Right, right. Okay. All right. So the Macedonians were the ones that Paul identified as having an excellent spirit of giving and generosity. Okay, we're going to move on uh, to uh, verses 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians 8. We're going to jump down. Uh, Let me see. Oh, wait, I already did that. Okay, we're going to move on to verses 13 and 15. 13 to 15 in 2 Corinthians 8. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 13, 14, and 15. Verse 13, For I mean not that other men be eased and ye burdened. Verse 14, But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. Verse 15, as it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. So Paul makes it clear here, not that you should be burdened and they should increase, but that you should be even in that your brothers and sisters in the Lord have nothing and you have something, so let's help them. I bet that your pastor did not give you the context of this, why they preached to you about your requirement to tithe to the church. Well, we need to give to the Lord, they will say. What does that mean exactly? Because the examples that they are citing are giving to those who are lacking. We are not saying here that you are forbidden from giving a tenth of your income to do whatever you want with it, but you are not required to do anything. That is a lie. What they are telling you is not true, and they are unfairly burdening you, saying that you are required to do this. And if you're going to be obedient to God and want the blessing and favor of God in your life, then you need to give to his work. It is a true saying that all that you have is a gift from the Lord and that you are a steward of all of it. But for anyone to say that you are required to give it to them, they are liars. Incidentally, who is Paul urging them to give to? Not to him, to those that needed it. The saints in Jerusalem are in trouble. Can we help them out? There's more biblical precedent to set aside a tenth to give to those in need, but even that is not a command. The actual command from Scripture is that as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. There is no command to pay someone's salary, building fees, electrical fees, etc. That is what this whole thing is predicated on. We need to fund this operation. Therefore, how do we compel people to do this biblically? Or should I say unbiblically? Well, to do that, you have to manipulate the text in order to extract a particular principle from the Old Testament, convert it from what it was intended to be into something that it was never intended to be, and then superimpose it to a place it was never intended to be. Uh, open for comments again. Well, yeah, I uh, I also think and you pointed this out earlier, but um, mm-hmm. how many times how many times 
why is it they always pass the plate for the green stuff? Okay, it's not just about yes. money. I mean, you you can give of your time, you can give of your uh, your food, your knowledge, your books, your literature, your transportation, your vocational training. Uh, there's all kinds of things that go into giving other than just filthy lucre. Okay, and so that's right. I've never had someone I've never had someone pass a plate and said, "Now just put a slip in there of how much time you're willing to give for someone in need," or just put a slip of paper right. in there about you'll help someone uh, go out and, and uh, get some vocational training and find a job. See what I'm saying? So it's all about the green stuff, and the love of money is the root yep. of all evil, and a lot of it is just propagating a lifestyle for these folks to live high on the hog. That's all it is. Yep, that's right. I believe that's right. <laughs> yep. There could, you could, there could be a task trading or, or a chore trading ministry, you know. Oh, I need help sweeping out a garage, and, and you have a broom, and you need help. Doing redoing a roof, and I know how to do that. And you could you could trade those two skills trading type of things. Well, okay. I'll, I'll give one one example. I'll give one example. Uh, I've given it before. Uh, we have uh, one of the people on talk show with us tonight that has been a tremendous uh-huh. giver to our uh, Grace Fellowship in that he has tremendous. God has given him tremendous talents in editing and i don't have those talents and i was getting ready to try to get uh i worked and worked and worked on this 353 page book and i couldn't get the files to line up right so i sent them up up to Uh john in toronto and god use you and what that's a gift that is a tremendous gift and thank you again john for that okay go ahead all right, so we're going to move into the final portion of our lesson, and then, Lord willing, I'll read from some commentaries on Malachi. Okay, so in clothing, in closing, tithing was about food and and herds and flocks and the fruit of the land, and it was to the old covenant children of Israel and no one else. As soon as the temple was destroyed. As soon as Jesus said, this is the new covenant in my blood, it was all done away with because it was all fulfilled in Christ. You don't put new wine into old wineskins. Tithing is part of an old wineskin. It has no place in the New Testament. Read the letter to Hebrews. It is just amazing that these howlings of today get away with this fraud. Actually, it makes sense in a, prefer- in a perverse kind of way that these liars are getting away with this fraud. There is a motive for it. The motive is that they are benefiting directly from it, from this. It behooves them to teach you this because if not, they might have to get a real job. Goodness gracious, they'd have to start working. They want the benefits of apostleship while doing the work of none of it. So as soon as they say the Bible says we're supposed to take care of, well, we'd have to spend a whole nother hour on exactly who in the church was to be legitimately supported. But pastors are not among them. I implore you to search the scriptures and see if you can even find a description of what we call a pastor today. Find one local church that has one man standing giving sermons every Sunday. You won't find a hint of sermons a pulpit or a pulpit. You won't find anything of what we call a pastor. You will find the word pastors in the plural once in Ephesians chapter 4, and that's it. I'm not talking about elders or leadership or even teaching. I'm talking about what we call a pastor today. You won't find it anywhere in Scripture. So where did it come from? Well, that is a subject for another time. So for the final time, ask yourself why your pastor has not given you context on tithing and giving. There is a precedent, uh, there is a precedent in the New Testament for giving, and it's to the poor and needy people, especially saints. 
So if you want to give to God, they will say tithing is giving to God. Well, let's hear what Jesus says about it in one final reading. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 25, verses 33 to 40. Okay, so Matthew chapter 25, verse 33 of Matthew 25, verse 33, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his, on the left. Verse 34, then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 35, for I was then hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Verse 36, naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Verse 37, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee? or thirsty and gave thee drink. Verse 38, when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Verse 39, or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? Verse 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily, which is another way of saying truly, verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Okay, so this is very informative of our original question that we started back in the first part of this two weeks ago on the 5th. Our original question of what exactly is giving to God that we asked at the start of part one of our lesson. Well, Jesus decisively settles the issue for us by showing us exactly, with no chance of being confused or misunderstood on it, what giving to God looks like. This is what it looks like, doing an act of kindness in meeting a physical need, such as hungry, thirsty, in prison, naked, to one of the least, the least of these, my brethren. Whose brethren? Jesus' brethren. It is very interesting that Jesus shows us what giving to God looks like. Before I continue, I'll open for comments from the floor. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, Larry? I'm good with everything. No, I'm good with everything. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, continue with my conclusion here. It is very interesting that Jesus shows us what giving to God looks like. It looks like doing it to one of the least of these, his brethren, hungry, thirsty, in prison, naked, in need. When they are in need, Jesus said that doing it to one of the least of those, his brethren, is doing it to him. He could just as easily have said that the same way that the Levites are priests, are priests giving money to your pastor is giving to God. No way. Jesus did not and would never say such a ridiculous thing as that. He did not even come close to saying that. Nowhere. Look at the life of Paul. The last thing on his mind was money. He said, it would be better for me to die than for my boasting to become vain. I don't want your stinking money. What do you have against me, Paul told the Corinthians, that I preach the gospel to you free of charge? Forgive me if that's the case. He told, this, he told the Thessalonians, you know that we were a burden to nobody. These hands supplied my own needs. Paul, Titus, and Timothy, we worked with our own hands, and then we commended you that if anybody doesn't work, then neither shall he eat. This is coming, that is coming from an apostle. An apostle who, by virtue of that specific office, did have a right to forego working because what he was doing was absolutely full on for the Lord and would be more akin to what we would describe as a missionary today. Yet Paul said, no, I don't want the money. 
I don't need money. God supplies my needs. Occasionally, people did help him out here and there with a gift to get here or there, but he worked for it. If Paul could work with his own hands, how dare you lazy, greedy men take up a post, erect an exorbitantly priced building, making your own little empire and command people that they would be in disobedience to God if they didn't give a tenth off the top of their income every week to the church because God loves a cheerful giver. And when you give to the church, you are giving to God, giving them no context. Shame on you. I encourage you to look through your Bible, read it, study it, look up every incident of tithing that you can find, which I believe that we covered. You will quickly find that it absolutely has nothing, no bearing for the New Testament church in any age. It was explicitly an old covenant principle tied to the temple system and the priesthood of the Levites. But since Jesus is our our high priest, and he is a priest according not to the order of Levi, but to the order of Melchizedek, we're not required to give tithes to him. We're not required to give tithes to past. I'm not saying you shouldn't give a tenth part of your income or that you're not allowed to consecrate, consecrate whatever you want to the Lord. That's between you and him. There's no command for that. There is no command for the New Testament believer to give any certain specified portion of his income to anybody other than on an as-needed basis. And Jesus said, as much as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. You want to give to God? You truly want to give to Jesus? Stop tithing. Stop giving money to your pastor. Stop giving money to that institution and start giving money to people that need it. If you want to give, if you really want to help, and you want to do what Jesus considers giving to him, find those who need it the most. Find those who have the least, and especially those of the household of faith, and help them. Help them. You probably don't know this, but your church, there is a very high probability that it is a registered 501c3 nonprofit corporation. And as such, they are legally not allowed to give any portion of money earned, i.e. tithes and offerings, to anyone within the structure except for the purposes of adequate compensating, compensation. Meaning, if anybody in the church Anybody that ex attends a certain church needs help with something. They're not allowed by law to give them money from tithes and offering. They can't do that. They can't. Now, somebody in there can say, here, I'll give you this personally to help you out or whatever. It's a sham. The whole thing is a sham. Do you think God is impressed with how much money you spend on tithes and offerings? Do you know that most churches... 50% of the money they bring in every week is paid in salaries and benefits right off the top. Typically, less than 10% of all the tithes or offerings collected by a church are used for anything other than to build up the church. In some cases, 20%, but at least 80% by most statistical standards, and you can look this up, about 80% of all funds gathered by churches stays right there to make the building bigger, more amenities, better lights, a coffee shop, whatever. It's absolutely ridiculous, but giving is not required. You're not required to give to the church nowhere. Tithing is a lie. Anybody, I don't care who it is that teaches you that you are required to give a tenth of your income to an organization that God is pleased with you and that, and that if you do this, God is going to pour out favor and blessing on you per Malachi chapter 3 is an idiot, is an imbecile in every sense of the word. And yet, those are biblical words. Go to Galatians again. It is idiotic and deceptive to command people that they need to give to a particular organization. Stop tithing. 
Stop giving your money to a structure. An organization, yeah. <laughs> Seek out people who actually need it. Your pastor is not required to get a salary. In fact, if he's doing that, well, that is a topic for another time. Stop tithing. The Bible doesn't command it. There's no description of it ever happening. If saints are in need on an as-needed basis, help them cheerfully. God does love a cheerful giver. The Bible says so, but the context is on an as-needed basis. The saints in Jerusalem had nothing. Therefore, Paul urges the Corinthians to help them out. And your pastor has never told you this. Why? Because he's a liar and he's greedy. I hope you found this helpful. Cheers. End of part three. <laughs> this is for hey, you know, Mark, my, huh? my, my, my first thought is, I'll, I'll put a scripture to you, okay? The zeal of my house has eaten you up, brother. I was sharing one time, Mark, I was sharing one time, with a gentleman about about uh, you know how our society has this mamsy pansy Jesus you know and everything and I said you know mm-hmm. I said they don't they just don't they must not even read the Old Testament and you know what he told me right. they don't read the New Testament he said they don't even read the New Testament what about Jesus Christ driving those money changers out of that temple with a whip. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. What did he? You have my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it into a den of thieves. Right. That's exactly right. Well, Mark, I want to thank you. This has been a really good study, and I hope that it's cause it's given people cause to contemplate about the structures. Okay. Now, I'm going to give everybody here another little tidbit. My wife uh-huh. has gotten really good at this. My wife has gotten really good at this. If somebody approaches you, like in a Walmart parking lot from, for some uh, supposed Christian cause or or maybe the Shriners uh-huh. or, or some other oh, yeah. uh, not-for-profit, and they, want, they say, would you mind giving... Uh, you know, five dollars to help the needy. Here's here's Rosette's response. I appreciate your I appreciate your request. However, we we faithfully give to another ministry. <laughs> okay, uh-huh. and it's true. We do faithfully we do faithfully give to another ministry. So don't feel like every Tom, Dick, and Harry that approaches you on the street for your green stuff that you have to give it to. Yes. No, just say. Oh, we we faithfully give to another ministry, but thank you and God bless. And you can be courteous about it, okay? But anyway, yeah. Well, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for this study. And uh, by way of announcement, <clears throat> before we uh, forget it, I want people to know that I uh, we are going to be having our Sunday morning service here at ten o'clock on Sunday morning. Can you be with us this Sunday, uh, Mark? Oh, yes, I'll be there. Good. Mark will be joining us. We kind of co-labor on Sunday morning and Sunday night, and we will be live yes. on, on face, uh, Facebook Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Also, I have sent out an email to, to uh, Edward Henry to see if he has a topic for Monday night. And uh, for right now, I think that's where we're going to kind of leave it. We're going to just do our uh, Monday night our Wednesday night, and then our Sunday services. Uh, and then Friday night, uh, this this Saturday night, I'm sorry, this Saturday night, is it Saturday? Friday night, I'm sorry. Friday night, I'm going to be doing a Bible study with Mark, my son, and it's called In My Father's House. And Mark is really looking forward to that. We're just going to spend some time. It'll probably only be like a 30-minute little study. That's about... Uh, Mark's retention time during uh, right now, uh, but I just feel like I need to spend some time with him in Bible study personally. So, and that will be on Facebook That's as well. So, uh, do you have anything else, Mark? Before we uh, kind of 
bring things to an end this evening. Okay. Is that going to be on uh, Talk Show the Friday night, Larry? Uh, no, what it's going to be, uh, we're just going to do that. Mark and I are going to be doing that. Um, we'll, we'll probably um, just record that, and then we'll probably be on Facebook Live, and then we'll probably put it on Sermon Audio because I think Mark's comfort oh. zone is going to be just, just one-on-one with me and him, you know, to start with anyway. Right. So, so it's going to be on Facebook. Oh, yeah, so it will be, be on Facebook. But, but not talk to you, right? Right, and it will also later be posted on Sermon Audio after the fact, so to speak. So, um, okay. anyway, that's Very kind of the, the plan. So, Okay. All right, well, Very good. I want to thank you. Thank you, and thank John, and thank all of our guests tonight for joining us. We hope you have a, a blessed evening in the Lord, and uh, we'll look forward to God being in the matter. Of course, God's in all matters. <laughs> I used to yeah. I used to hear a minister, he'd always say, God being in the matter, and I'd think, well, what matter is God not in? <laughs> okay, but anyway, uh, we will, we will right. be here, uh, Lord willing, uh, Sunday morning. So with that, I'm going to say good night, and uh, good night, um uh, Good night, uh, Ontario, John, and all of our other guests, and good night, Mark. Good night, and God bless each one of our audience members, and good and God bless you, Larry. It's been a pleasure again. Thank you very much. I appreciate all your work, brother. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.